Uh, I'm really glad to be here with you again today, and Christ Community Church has been just a steady part of our family's history, especially as we come back to the States year after year. Our family has spent six years uh, living in Asia and serving in places where there are not necessarily wonderful gatherings of people like this, and we have recently returned to the States and are uh, excited to be here this morning, and I've been listening to the podcast from this series on, on wise words, and, and I was challenged, as Keith was challenging you, to start reading through the Proverbs. And so I don't know how many of you have been doing that. Last thing I heard was there were eight of you, and Keith wasn't real pleased with eight of you reading the Proverbs. But I, yesterday, as I was preparing for this, I started reading through today's proverb, Proverbs 9. And it's a picture of two invitations, of two different tables, of two different voices, that can appeal to us with one, one clear answer and really one great choice. But yet, there are two options presented. So if you have your Bibles and you want to turn to Proverbs chapter 9, uh, that would be great. And as you do that, I want to share a story with you. I'm sure most of you were here on the 4th of July. Uh, is that a true assumption? Yes, most of you were here. We, we were in New York uh, on the 4th of July. My family and I, we took a road trip to Washington, D.C. and to New York to go visit some friends who were serving up there. And our 4th of July was different. We're used to unique 4th of July experiences. And so our 4th of July was spent in the Flushing, Queens area of New York, which is basically the Chinatown. It's like the Asian hub of New York City. And we were on a quest to find the best Chinese food we could find because we miss it terribly. And we found it, and that was great. And as we drove back into Brooklyn, we got lost missed the turn, ended up in lower Manhattan, where they were setting up for this huge, massive fireworks display. And personally, I, I wanted to be there. I wanted to see, uh, you know, all these fireworks going off, but the police presence there was significant. I mean, it was, there were dump, truck, uh, fill, dump trucks filled with sand, police on every corner. They were bracing themselves for what could have been the next attack. And so we opted to go back to Brooklyn to our hotel and just have a a quiet dinner and watch the fireworks display on TV. Well, I have six children, and what that means is that they're hungry a lot, all the time, and so one of my great privileges as a father is to feed these lovely people. And so we leave our hotel, because who wants to pay for overpriced hotel food, and we just start walking down the block. And one of the great things about living in an urban environment is you can walk to whatever you need, dinner, movies, grocery store, and that's one of our favorite things about living in Asia. So we, we leave the hotel and we start walking. And then it dawns on April and I that it's the 4th of July and that really nothing is open. So we continue to walk one block, nothing. The next block, nothing. We, we go into this New York style pizza place. Forget about it, right? And the wait was 35 minutes for a pizza. So we we're like, no, we're just going to have to keep on walking. So eventually we, we pass this diner and and I didn't know whether to go in or not. We kept on walking, and I saw this sign for tacos. Well, who doesn't love a good taco on the 4th of July? What's more American than tacos? <laughs> and so we, April and the kids are on one side of the street. I walk in, I see the menu, it says tacos. I didn't read the name of the restaurant. I didn't even really look inside. I, I just saw tacos. And so we walk into this restaurant, my wife and I and six children. We were the only family there and you could barely see in there. And the whole mood of the place was dark, to put it lightly. But they had tacos on the menu. 
So I foolishly walk right on in, table for eight. So they, they seat us uh, obviously in the back corner we'll, where we won't disturb anyone. My youngest daughter starts crying, which is awesome. Perfect date atmosphere. And they seat us around these tables that are like one foot square tables. I mean, smaller, I mean, just eight of us to eat on, on these tables. And the glasses are like two inches tall, like shot glasses for us to drink. And, and I'm panicking, looking at the menu going, I, I really don't know how this is going to work. And my oldest son, Josh, he goes, Dad, is this, is this place okay? I'm like, yeah, it's fine. It's totally fine. Hold on, let me just order. And he's like, no, really, look around. Is this? And I, I looked up, and it was really not okay at all. And on the wall, the wallpaper was a sacrilegious thing of the Last Supper where they had highlighted in red certain things that really were just not respectful toward Jesus. And I, I just didn't have a clue. I mean, I got sucked in because of the taco sign. And then we sat there in the midst of darkness all around us, and it was like, okay, this isn't, we got to get out. So awkwardly, you know, quite awkwardly, I go back to the waitress and I'm like, yeah, uh, we, we got to bounce, I'm sorry. And so we leave. Now everyone's tired and hungry, and the older children may be slightly embarrassed that the tacos seduced us into this dark, cavernous den of sin. And we turn back down the street and we see this diner called the Carroll Gardens Diner. And we walk to the door and I open it up and I said, yeah, I need a table for eight. No problem, sir, come on in. And they sat us right there, not hiding us from anybody. And we sat down, the service was excellent. The people were friendly. The 4th of July fireworks were on display right there. The menu was like a thousand pages long. You know, with any possible food option anyone could ever want. And we had chosen wisely. Now, I say that to you because in Proverbs 9, there are two pictures. There are two pictures, and if we just walk through, let's look at this together. Wisdom has built her house. She has honed out its seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set out her table. She has sent out her young women, and she calls from the highest point in the city. Let all who are simple come in here. She's inviting people to come in. To those who lack judgment, come in. Come and eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of understanding. Leave and live and walk in the way of understanding. Do you hear that? Leave, live, and walk in this way of understanding. Wisdom is inviting us in. It's the diner, okay? Wisdom is inviting us in. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insult. Whoever rebukes a wicked man incurs abuse. Do not rebuke a mocker, he will hate you. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love you. But listen to this next thing. Instruct a wise man, and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man, and he will add to his learning. Why? Because the wise man knows he does not know at all. And the wise man knows that he needs to know more. There's a humility in wisdom. And then verse 10, which is what I want us to hold on to this morning, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Let me read that again. Verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now, as Solomon wrote this, he had the promise of a Messiah. 
And as Keith talked about a few weeks ago, Solomon had issues, right? He, had, he was wise and foolish at the same time. He was brilliantly smart and wise, but he was also quite fleshly in the way that he lived. And he had the promise of a Messiah. He definitely needed a Messiah, but he did have this insight that the fear of the Lord, respect for the Lord, understanding that He is God and that we are not, that's the beginning of wisdom. It's the starting point of wisdom. And that to know the Holy One is understanding. Another translation says, is insight, is to have insight. And then the voice of wisdom says, for through me your days will be many and years will be added to your life. And, and the point is that when we walk in wisdom, exponential things happen. Wisdom happens, time happens, effective use of our time. Life matters when we walk in wisdom. And if you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. But drop down to the next verse in 13. The woman folly is loud. Now the voice changes from wisdom to foolishness. She is undisciplined and without knowledge. She's a taco sign on a menu. Okay? And she sits at the door of her house on a seat at the highest point in the city, calling out to those who pass by. Tacos, 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 tacos. Who go straight on the way. Let all who are simple come in here. She says to those who lack judgment, stolen water is sweet and food eaten in secret is delicious. She's enticing people in, seducing people in, saying this stolen water is what you want. This illicit bread is what you need. But little do they know that the dead are there and that her guests are in the depths of the grave. What a clear picture of seduction. And listen, the voice of foolishness is loud. Even in our lives today, the voices of foolishness are loud. They may not be audible. Maybe they're visual. But whatever it is, foolishness abounds all around us, and we are bombarded with invitations and suggestions and seductions towards foolishness. And the taco sign is blaring, come inside, come inside, come inside. You want this, you need this, and the lights are low, and the music is loud, and you can blend in and do what you want to do, and no one's going to know otherwise until the lights come on and you realize you're sitting in a place of evil. So the voice of foolishness is loud, but sometimes it's so loud we grow numb to that. And then as Christians, we come back to these verses, and I, I've wrestled with this passage because I, I want to be helpful for you today. I, I want God's Word to help your life today. I, I want you to walk away going, I am so glad that I met with the living God today. But it's not just information that you need. I hope you understand that. It's not just a verse to kind of quote or tweet out or, or to write on your hand and then forget about three hours later. What is it that we need today? I mean, so we, cognitively we can understand there's a wise way and there's a foolish way. And we can understand that Solomon, though he was very wise, he had the promise of him a Savior. But what is it that you need today? And what are the questions that you're legitimately asking today that you truly need God to answer today? I wrestled all night. I really did not sleep at all last night over this message because I myself was going, okay, if I'm going to preach this, I need to know what does this mean for me to long for the voice of wisdom, to long for the table that has been prepared of good things. 
and to say no and to walk away from the voice that is loud, that promises emptiness and despair and darkness. And the same thing is true for you. What will it take? What do you need to know today to choose to walk in the way of wisdom as opposed to hear the voice that is so loud of foolishness that will carry us away? And I I don't know your dilemmas. I know mine. I've got some. I'm sure you have some as well, too. And, And what is it that we need today? And therein truly lies the problem, and here's why. Back to the diner, to the Carroll Gardens Diner. The menu was designed for people like us because anything that we could ever want was available. Anything we could ever want is available. And we live in such a consumeristic society that whatever it is you want, you probably can find. Whatever flavor, whatever temperature, whatever price, whatever size, whatever origin, of whatever it may be, And the trouble is we get used to finding things that we need. And we come to this idea of I need something to the Bible. I do it. You do it too. We come to the place of this where I need something different in my life. And we go, well, maybe I just need more wisdom or maybe I just need to say no to these things and we're missing the point. And Solomon, he he said it wisely when he said the fear of the Lord to understand the Lord, to respect the Lord, that's the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of wisdom. And the next step of wisdom is going, who is it, who is it that can give me wisdom? Because wisdom is not this quantifiable thing. Wisdom is a person. If you read the earlier chapters in Proverbs and you just substitute the name Jesus where wisdom begins to speak, you're going to see wisdom in a whole different light. Because he is the all-wise one and the all-knowing one. In fact, it's not a thing that we need today. We can close the menu and say, I want you and not these things. Because when we set our hope on something, we miss out on someone. And it's the someone that I want to point us to this morning. Solomon had the promise of a Savior. There's another guy named Paul. I'm sure you've heard of him before who knew his incredible need for a Savior. He would say of himself, he is the chief of all sinners. And Paul would articulate for us what it meant for Jesus to come and to live and to suffer and to die and to reign again in life. And this is what he says in 1 Corinthians. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. Listen to what he says in verse 25. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by any human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify, to cancel the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Christ has become 
the wisdom of God for us, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. And I want to say that today because more than wisdom, and you need it, (laughs) and I need it, but more than the thing, we need the one, right? And, And I can confess and say to you today, I get stuck on the thing, what to do, where to go, what is next, and it's the things that, if I'm not careful, will distract me from the one. And I know I'm not alone in that. And we need to take our quest to understand something and redirect it to say, if I never get those things, I still have to have you. Does that make sense? Let's continue to read in first chapter 2. He says, When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. The voice of folly says, you need this. Tacos, tacos, tacos. The voice of folly invites us in and seduces us. But let me just ask you this morning, what seduces you? And what can your seductions do when they're stood up in front of the cross? I mean, think about that. What are the voices or the things or the ideas or the temptations that are calling your name loudly, consistently saying, come inside, come inside, come inside. You want this. You need this. You can have this. Think about your seductions. Think about the things that seduce you and stand them up in front of the Holy One of Israel. And what do those seductions have on you now? And see, oftentimes it's the quest for something that will seduce us and carry us away from the very one that holds our lives together. I mean, he sustains the universe and he sustains you and he gladly gives wisdom if you need it. But I'm just telling you, I know people, I know me, I know some of you, and we are fixated on things, on ideas or ideals, even good things. And he's saying, but I am, I'm the one. I am the I am. And this morning, I hope to, to redirect you from whatever voices that are seducing you, and I'm sure there are many, from whatever seductions that may be captivating you, and I just want to redirect you to the one. And over and over again, we'll hear in Scripture to turn our eyes back onto him. And I was telling Keith earlier, I listened to last week's message, and the last five to six minutes of it were, were Keith's life's message. I mean, I've heard many sermons from Keith, and you could package them all into one of this last five minutes of his last week's sermon because he just got right back down to it of saying, you've got to have a relationship with Jesus. Aren't you grateful for a pastor who continues to say it's about a relationship with Jesus, individually, corporately, together as a church? And I'm just saying to you as a guy who can struggle with things and questions to redirect our hearts to him this morning. And this is what Paul continued to say 
in Ephesians, and, and I hope that you will find encouragement from this. Because this morning as I was wrestling and praying for our time together, this is what I was reminded of. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom. <laughs> the same wisdom that is talked about in Proverbs, the same wisdom that Solomon desperately wanted to know for himself. Paul is saying, now in light of the cross, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And we're like, yes, I need the spirit of wisdom and revelation because I need wisdom and, and I need revelation. And we're back to the things. I, I need wisdom and, and I need revelation. And those are good. Wisdom is good. Revelation is good. We need wisdom to know how to apply what we know. We need revelation to understand the things of God. And this is what the next line is. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, comma, so that you may know him better. <laughs> that you may know him better. And all of the Proverbs are pointing to this, that you may know him better. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, comma, so that you may know him better. And I just want you to reflect on that for a moment. Have you been consumed with things, even good things, and been distracted from knowing him better? Because to be honest, I have. It's very easy for me to start thinking about things in an effort to serve him better. But he's not asking me to serve him better. He's not asking me to move overseas again better. And he's not asking me to figure out what I'm doing with my life better. He, he's asking me to know him better. Because what good is wisdom if we don't point it back to the one who gives it? What good is revelation if we don't realize it's revealed so that we can know him better? Jesus, when he's praying in John chapter 17, I keep asking that they may know you and the one whom you have sent. Jesus says this is eternal life, John 17, that they may know you and the one whom you have sent. Here's the ironic thing. I have a CD from Christ Community Church where I preached many years ago, probably 10 years ago. And the title of the sermon was The Relationship. <laughs> and it was from John 15. And it's funny how all these things keep coming back together as I'm listening to Keith last week saying, it's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And this morning, as I'm saying to you, it's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Keith did not ask me to speak on this today. I somewhat rebelled against Keith, respectfully, because as I kept reading Proverbs 9 and listening to the Proverbs challenge, I was like, but that's not what Keith asked me to speak on. And as I continued to wrestle with this, I landed on this thing that we all need to know him better. And before you start to pull your bootstraps up and go, well, I'm going to, that's it. Today, I'm going to know him better so that he's going to love me more. Don't. Because <laughs> he can't love you more. 
You need to know him better based on just going, you have given me everything. There's not one thing, and there's not one place, and there's not one more good thing I can do for you that you would love me better. And as we abide in that relationship with him, John 15, we will bear much fruit. So my encouragement to you today is to receive the wisdom and revelation from God so that you may know him better. I want us to pray together this morning, and I want us to think about what the voice of foolishness is in our life. And what are those sirens and voices that keep calling out to us, come inside, come inside, come inside. When the truth is we need to walk away and enter into a greater relationship with the one who loves us and holds us together. Will you pray with me? Father, as we sit before you this morning, God, would you give us wisdom and revelation about the ways that we're being seduced? Would you show us the voices of folly and foolishness that are constantly and loudly saying, stolen water is sweet and this secret bread is good? And would you put us back into the place where we can see that to fear you, to know you, to live in great, deep, profound respect for you, that that is the beginning of wisdom. Father, I pray for Christ Community Church this morning that whatever things, even good things, that are before these dear people that you love, Father, would they place those things in your hand and say more than something from you, I need you. And Lord, I pray the same for myself, God, more than answers from you, I, I need you. And I pray today, God, that we would be a people that speak not only of the things you have done for us, and you have done great things, but that we would be people who speak of you, of your graciousness and your kindness and your compassion, of the richness of your mercy of the incredible gift you've given us in Jesus Christ. That any wisdom or revelation that we truly need, God, would be found in a steadfast relationship with you. And Father, this morning I thank you for the privilege of opening your word here with these people. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would let it sink into each and every heart in this room. God, that people would leave here with a genuine hunger and thirst for you. To know you through your word. To experience you through the power of your Holy Spirit. And to experience your body here in this church and in the greater church. Lord, I pray that you would bless Christ Community Church. I pray that you would continue to clarify their place in this city that you love. I pray that you would grow Christ Community Church in fruitfulness and faithfulness. Lord, I pray that you would revive hearts that are weary, hearts that are tired, hearts that are lonely, hearts that don't feel connected to people. And I pray, God, that as we together say more than anything, we, we want you. Father, that you would prove your faithfulness over and over again. I thank you for the privilege of being with these people today. In Jesus' name, amen.